Trading Nut, episode 71. So I'll wait for price to just break a level of resistance, right? Because what that tells me, if, you know, buyers have held this level or, or sellers in this case have held this level of resistance, you know, one, two or three times, right? Once buyers have broken through that level, I want to see if price will come back to that specific level that was broken and if buyers will actually hold that level as a newfound level of support. The market's going to do something. Your job is not to fight it. The market never, ever runs away. It's always there. That personal diary of trading will make you a much better trader than I could be right about the direction, but wrong about the trade. Don't focus on the monetary side. Trying to make too much money on a trade is what I have seen killed every trader. Your losses offer you some of the greatest insight you can find into your mistakes. Relax. Learn the process. Candlestick pattern trading is a freaking trap. Don't be in a rush to become a millionaire. Let the market tell you what the market wants to tell you. This podcast is not financial trading or investing advice of any kind. What's up traders, welcome to another installment of the Trading Up Podcast. I'm your host Cam Hawkins and today we've got a young trader from Miami, Florida called Raul Gonzalez. Now Raul is also known as Lambo Raul on Instagram. Uh, don't let the don't let the Lamborghinis put you off guys, this guy can trade, okay? We, we shot a video after the show. Look, first of all, the show is amazing, so you're going to learn a lot in the show anyway. But then we shot a video after the show, which blew me away. Okay, within such a short period of time, you could really tell the level of understanding that Raul has of the markets, and you'll learn, you know, three, four, maybe five things in this one video. So, guys, listen to this episode first, then head over to the the video. What what Raul does do is he takes traders and he looks to get them funded. He's funded himself with FTMO multiple times, so that's one of the funding providers that, that are out there. There are a number of other funding providers that I do have listed on my website, and I want to find out a bit more from you guys about what you think around funding providers. And so these are, if you're unsure what they are, they're basically uh, outfits, you could call them trading prop firms, they let you trade their money for a cut or a profit split of the the earnings that you make okay so they might you might go in there and qualify get a $50,000 account and you can trade their $50,000 account and get a cut of the profit so if one month you make 10 grand then you'll get and you get 50% you get 5 grand of the 10 grand you make so that's how it works i've got a survey up on tradingnut.com so if you head over there to Raul's uh, page in particular, I'll put a link to it on there as well, and I might put a, a few links around on the site as well, but if you want to go directly to there on your phone or wherever you're listening at the moment, head over to the description, it's in there, or just type it into your browser, uh, it's tradingnut.com forward slash funding survey, all one word. Okay guys, it'd be great if you could do that after the show. Uh, let's get into it. This is fantastic stuff with Raul. Guys, you're going to hear a little bit about the, uh, the the COVID-19 lockdown. I think I was in it and he was just about to go in it as well. So there's some interesting stuff there at the start. Here we go, guys. Enjoy. All right, folks, we've got Raul Gonzalez here on the show all the way from Miami, Florida. Um, we're in the same boat here today. Uh, we're both on lockdown uh, because of this coronavirus thing. Yeah. So <laughs> how's it going, Raul? I'm great. Thank you for having me. By the way, it's an honor. Oh, look, it's it's great to have you on the show. I mean, I I, uh, I first sort of found out about you on on Instagram, jumped on there, and and it was a sort of typical, um, I suppose, your, your classic Instagram profile with 
all these yeah. the, the ones that everyone goes ah oh, this guy's just you know selling the dream blah 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 um you know yeah. there's let, let's for the guys that obviously don't know uh Raul's instagram it's it's cool he's called lambo Raul. so it's, yeah. it's sort of, <laughs> but i mean do you want to give the guys a backstory just so that people don't like go running for the hills because i know a lot of the guys here have you know are sort of quite wary of scammers and stuff um, and why you've got a, this Instagram account that's full of Lamborghinis and, and jet skis and all that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, basically, my Instagram, I just I put my life. It's not like, you know, it's a marketing technique, nothing. It's just my entire Instagram just shows my actual lifestyle and the life that I truly do live on a day-to-day basis. So it's not like uh, I made my Instagram just to promote anything. But, um, yeah, basically... Um, you know, how I started trading was quite an interesting story, I want to say. So I was maybe 15, 16 at the time. I was going to school like your average person, I guess, um, going to high school. And um, during that time, I was actually diagnosed with Crohn's disease. So I was having these really frequent hospital visits. I'd be in the hospital um, probably every other week for a span of maybe uh, three to seven days. So that happened for a couple of months, and I ended up getting kicked out of high school um, because I missed too many days of school, even though they were all excused. They just the school is a little bit weird. So um, I had to actually enroll in online school, and once I was in online school, I was really doing nothing with my life. Is didn't really have any friends at the time, had no girlfriend, so it's kind of just me and the computer all day. So you know what I started to do. I had like a little hustle, if that's what you want to call it, on the side, um, just to bring in some money, you know, to pay for, you know, just regular stuff, computer, um, you know, anything I really wanted. Um, all I would really do is kind of build gaming YouTube channels, flip them, if that's what you want to call it, gain a bunch of subscribers and then sell them to other people. So that was kind of how I started uh, making money online. But then, of course, um, like any other person, you know, I looked up um, other ways to make money online. And that's when I came across trading stocks obviously um and then forex came into light i didn't really join any mlm like um a bunch of people have or anything but um i really just saw forex um that kind of just popped up next to the stock market there um on the google search so i did more research into it i believe i was maybe 17 at the time so you know i started trying to just look for any free information online youtube this and that blah 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 i guess it's kind of like the the average person's story um when it comes to like learning how to actually trade. And then I opened up my first live account when I was uh, about 18. I took an online course. Um, and then from there, it was more or less just trial and error. Um, that's pretty much how I got uh, started trading. So around 18 years old, 17 years old is when I started um, getting informed about the financial markets, the stock market, the currency market, cryptos and everything else. That's how I kind of got into the whole gist of this uh, trading world. And so that that first course, I mean, what what did you decide to go for? Um, it was really just like a, a technical analysis course. It showed you like the basic technical, so support and resistance, um, basic price action, supply and demand, um, quarter points, uh, trend lines, Fibonacci. It showed a bunch of other indicators that I don't use. Um, you know, I try and really simplify my trading as best as possible so I don't really, you know, get confused. I see a bunch of people nowadays with, you know, a bunch of lines on their screen with, you know, a bunch of indicators, a bunch of Fibonacci ratios. 
Um, you know, I try and keep things as simple as possible. So just do my best to read price every single day. You know, that's really one thing that helped me a lot with my trading was really just backtesting and learning how price moves on a specific currency pair, like on gold. All that would do is pretty much just go back, you know, maybe a year's worth of uh, previous price action data and just read what each and every single candlestick is telling me. I feel like, you know, each and every candlestick has a different story to tell itself. So, you know, a candlestick on the daily versus a candlestick on the weekly versus a candlestick on the four hour. Each candlestick kind of shows more or less um, a story or each candlestick is a book. And, you know, when you break it down to a lower time frames, that book now has chapters and then that has separate pages. So that's kind of how I look at um, price action is just to read what price is trying to tell me best. And I keep things as simple as possible, just looking at structure, um, supply and demand, support and resistance. And um, I do use Fibonacci as well. So really, if you know, if you were to sum up my trading strategy, it's all about just structure, Fibonacci, and um, uh, moving averages, if that's what you want to call it. But um, I get asked the question a lot um, if I'm more of like a fundamental trader or a technical trader. You know, before, you know, I guess it's my trading is kind of evolving as time goes on. You know, before I'd be like, you know, only technicals. Now I'm starting to incorporate a lot of fundamentals into my actual trading as well, which is something that has been new. So like the course that I first took only really just taught you like the basic technical analysis Um, and the money management um, that the course taught that I took really wasn't that great. Um, you know, it was like, um, you know, a five to 10% risk per, per, per trade that you place, which is something that I had always struggled with in the beginning, because I, that's how I thought you were supposed to trade. So there's a lot of things that changed over time, um, since I've taken that online course. And so it's, I didn't really take any, um, a bunch of online courses, like a bunch of people did as well. It's just like that one online course and everything else was just, okay, you know, trial and error from there, which was a, um, I don't know if you'd want to call it a mistake. But um, that's just the way I experience things. You know, you could tell me, you know, don't over leverage um, all your positions. And I'm the type of person where I have to experience that and then, you know, learn from my own mistakes from there. So that's kind of how uh, I evolved my trading. It's a lot of detail in there. I'm going to dive back and and ask a few questions on that. So going back to that, like if you, I'm sorry, let's just get a, get a sort of frame of reference here first. What, what age are you now? I am a 21. 21. Okay, so we got three, three, four years there. Um, so when you yeah. did that online course, uh, you know, you came out of it and you thought, okay, did did you start like applying what these guys had, had taught you? Yeah, I did. Um, you know, it's just like kind of basic, um, just price action using fibs. Um, I started applying what they taught me, and then obviously, you know, my personality. They basically gave me like the foundation of how they traded, and then I added onto that, you know, how it suited my personality, how I wanted to trade because there were more higher time frames, like four hour uh, daily time frames. And then, you know, I actually took that foundation and I put it down to more of a lower time frame, such as like the hour and the uh, two hour and the four hour as well. So that's how I kind of started with, uh, with that. And then I obviously started, you know, modifying things here and there as time went on to try and make my strategy quote unquote better. That's one thing that I kind of focus on, um, you know, how can I, not in the sense how can I get better, but how can I stop being bad? If that makes any sense. And so, I mean, I'm just like thinking, right? So you're at the, you know, you've got this information. You're now at the price chart, and you're thinking, right? Let me go and start back testing some of this. And 
can you sort of walk us through like how that back testing sort of session would go for you in terms of like things that you might have been noting down and things that you might have been like uh, keeping an eye on when you're looking at various things on the chart and your candles and that sort of thing how did how did that look like the first things first, you know, I've had my back testing, uh, my back testing chart. So, you know, it'll, it would include the pair, the date, the time, and then obviously, you know, pips loss, pips gain, and then account balance and things of that nature. Right. And then obviously turn off all distractions. Um, and then I would pretty much just go on trading view and go back to a year's worth of data. So I'd back test like the last year. And, you know, when it came to, like, actual notes and stuff, so I'd have the foundation. So what I look for in my strategy is typically a break of structure or a break of a level of support. And I want to see if buyers will actually hold that previous level of resistance as a level of support, right? So it's all about buying versus selling pressure to me, right? So to put it in example, it would be more or less like, um, okay, you know, at first it started off as, okay, you know, I want to see if price can hold this level that I previously just broke and then I'll enter directly at this level with like a limit order. I'll put my stops um, above a certain Fibonacci PRZ ratio. So if price pulled back to like the 50%, my stop loss would go above the 618 in between the 618 to uh, 786, right? And then the targets would be the previous low, right? And one thing I noticed about that is more of my actual trades would get stopped out because sometimes price would just go and hit the stop loss or sometimes price would activate me and then go into profit and then hit the stop loss. So what I ended up incorporating and modifying there is I took note of that, obviously. And then, you know, I would be, okay, you know, let's wait for price to come to this ratio and let's wait for a price action confirmation, like some form of a candlestick confirmation, right? So now when I entered on that candlestick confirmation, I would put my stop loss almost less in the same area above the next PRZ ratio. So if price came back to like the 50% where we do have that previous level of structure, and let's just say it was a level of support that was broken and sellers are actually holding that pre, uh, that level of support as a level of resistance, then, you know, I will find it would actually increase the probability of the actual trade going in my favor, right? So those are just little things that I was kind of noting down here and there along with um, using moving averages overall to kind of tell me, um, you know, what kind of trend we're in. So I use a 20 and 50 simple moving average. So if price is riding under both of those, then I'm typically looking to go short, right? So it's kind of like a mixture of a bunch of confluences, if that's what you want to call it, to increase the probability of the trade setup itself. I would find that in my back test, if I only had two confluences, typically the trade would end up becoming a loser. But if I would have three or four confluences, um, that kind of tell me, um, okay, you know, we're all in the same bias. If that's what you want to, if that's what you want to put as title, right? We're all looking to go short, all right? Then typically, you know, that has a higher probability of uh, actually going to targets than it would with a trade that only had two confluences. So that's kind of more or less our trade. It's really all about probability. So the more confluences I have in a specific trade setup, the higher the probability the setup actually is. And, and how do you work your money management around that? So now that you know you've got it, you know say you've got four confluences running together would you risk more um not at all um you know it really depends like if i have four confluences at most i'm typically risking like one to three percent three percent is on a very rare occasion i'll risk three percent but i try and keep it as consistent as possible um sometimes i actually may scale in on a position but that's something i really struggled with in the beginning was money management because i would grow my account but once my trading strategy had a losing streak, 
then you know all that profit would actually turn into just loss and drawdown. So that's something I really struggled with in the beginning was money management and looking at my risk reward ratios because the thing about a pullback strategy from what I've noticed um, over the last couple of years is that it does lose a little more than it wins, but it does it is compensated by a higher risk reward ratio. So you be trading for a risk reward ratio that's like a th- of three to one or four to one sometimes, right? So, you know, money management is something I've been really strict on. So I typically just stick to risking 1% to 2% um, per position that I'm actually in. Okay. And so in terms of scaling out of those trades at all, do you, I mean, do you, where do you move your stop to break even and, and uh, take off some risk off the table at any points? Yeah, so it all depends on the risk-reward ratio. If I only have a risk-reward ratio on a specific trade that's like a, a 2 to 1, then I'll just close the entire position. Um, but if it's a, a much greater target and I feel like the, you know, there's enough volume for price to go in my direction even further then what I'll do is at a specific risk reward ratio, like let's just say two to one, I'll move my stops to break even close half my position. And that'll be like my running position where I'll trail my stops from each structure high, probably like on a lower time frame, such as like a 15 minute more or less to say. And so timeframes, how do you, how do you work the timeframes? Are you trading multiple timeframes and, and which one do you use for your entry? Um, I do always look at every single time frame. So, you know, I always ta- uh, start with the top down analysis. So I'll start off at a monthly time frame, then work my way down. Um, you know, just take notes as much as possible on what those time frames are trying to tell me versus the lower time frames. So I'll use an overall like directional bias based off of a higher time frame, like a daily and a weekly. Then I'll break it down to a four hour for overall structure, use my uh, Fibonacci ratio tools to see where we are in the trend if price is trending because sometimes price may just be consolidating if uh, price is consolidating at that point then I'll look where we are in the consolidation range if the consolidation range is big enough for me to actually trade itself Um, but typically my entries will be based off of like a 15 minute time frame and then um, my directional time frame will be like based off of the hour or the the two hour in that case and how many trades are you, are you running a week? Um, it really depends on the market conditions because sometimes, um, you know, we'll have a trade that I'm holding for at least, you know, two or three days, which typically I don't like holding my trades for two or three days. I like to just get in and out that same day. But, you know, I could take anywhere between five to 15 trades a week, I want to say. It really depends on uh, what I'm doing, if I'm scalping or if I'm more or less just day trading at that point in time. And so what does your typical day look like then? Other than um, obviously uh, on the jet boats and the Lambos and yeah, include yeah. those as well if you want. <laughs> um, typical day in the life, I guess you could say. It really depends if I trade the London or the New York session. Typically, I'm trading the New York session um, nowadays. So I'll wake up around 6.30 in the morning. Pretty quick, go grab me a cup of, co- a cup of coffee. Um, give me some time to wake up. And then I'll start my pre-market analysis around 7 o'clock. So that's when I'll be doing my whole top-down analysis, you know, putting my key levels, you know, identifying the trend, things of that nature. Um, then typically I'll be actively trading from like 8 a.m. till about 12 p.m. Um, 1 p.m. is where if I haven't made an entry yet, then I'm not going to trade because that's when um, volume tends to die off, Right. So, uh, you know, at that point in time, I'll be done trading. Then, you know, I'll go out, you know, I'll go to the gym or, you know, I'll go jet skiing, you know, do whatever I kind of want to do in that sense or do any work that I have to do if I have any work. 
Then I'll come back around maybe five, six o'clock at night. And then I'll do another top down analysis, which will be my post-market analysis, where I'll be looking at my trading journal, see, you know, what mistakes I made, where I could have improved along with, um, you know, what I'm going to be looking for, for the next trading session coming, you know, where I could see price and look for potential opportunity within the market. And then uh, after that, that's about it. You know, I do whatever I want for this night and uh, just go to bed and, you know, do the same thing the next, <laughs> the next day. And so when you've got trades running, I mean, how do you, how do you manage those? Like if, you, if you're out for the evening or, um, you know, you're at the gym or whatever, whatever you're doing? Um, you know, I'll set alarms for every, like, hour candlestick close. So I'll just, if I have trades running, I'll monitor it on my phone or my iPad. Typically I have my iPad on me. Um, you know, every hour I'll kind of just try and take a break. Um, if I'm not too busy and kind of monitor my trades, see how my position is doing, see if the trade setup is still valid. And then I'll kind of just move on with my day. Or if, you know, I'm taking a setup based off the four hour, then I'll check back on the uh, chart every four hours just to see how that candle closed and so forth. You know, look at the daily close and things of that nature. And what about the weekends? Are you holding stuff over the weekends? Uh, no, I, I used to before, but then I f- would see that I take more losses holding trades over the weekends. And, you know, I definitely just decided to eliminate holding the trades over the weekends. Um, I also decided to eliminate, like, flat trading in session. These are, like, things I learned um, over time is, you know, trade during a specific session, especially if I'm going to be scalping or day trading. Um, you know, don't take trades at random times, you know, just little things like that I've kind of modified over time just to increase the, my profitability. You know, it's going to be different for everybody, but that's just, you know, me in specific. Um, I'd rather just not trade a, over the weekends and, you know, risk a gap in the opposite direction. So there's been times where, um, you know, I would hold a trade during the weekend and price would gap above my stop loss. So I'll take a bigger loss than what I intended on taking. So, you know, I've learned some hard lessons yeah. from <laughs> holding the trades over the weekend. Yeah, so it's a lesson that most most people go through at some point, um, <laughs> yeah. and then stop trading the weekends. So, uh, instruments. If you had to list off all the ones that you focus on, what are they? Right now, um, it's just gold, the Dow, and S and P. Those are the only instruments that I trade. Um, and you know, if you were to ask me that two years ago, it would be you know multiple different instruments. You know, there would be like cryptos included. You know, it would be commodities, currencies. Um, you know, something I've really learned over time is just, you know, you can focus on, you know, if you can focus on just, you know, one to three pairs and you will be a lot better off than trying to, you know, master every single pair that's out there. It's more or less like, um, if you want to put it like this way, right, it's more or less like having one girlfriend versus having, you know, multiple different girlfriends to manage, you know, so I typically just try and try and stay with, uh, you know, those one to three pairs. And uh, just, just on those pairs, I mean, this past few weeks, with the, I mean, they've all dropped, right? Uh, yeah. Quite, well, they've all, they've all Dow and S, yeah, Dow and S and P have dropped significantly. Yeah. So, what's yeah. the? Um, I mean, how did you how did you sort of factor in the fundamentals around what you were doing, or did you even need to? Could you see it coming? Um, I didn't see um, the drop on the down the S and P coming. It's funny enough because I was actually in on a couple of short positions at around 2,900, right? And I got out of those short positions at around 2,700 and price kept dropping, 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 dropping. I feel like, you know, the fundamentals will tell you the overall direction, but the technicals will tell you when to actually get in. So I never knew, you know, price was going to drop to, you know, the Dow dropped, I believe was 1,800 and, you know, the S&P dropped around the same. 
right? But, um, you know, typically, uh, you know, I did take a couple of shorts. I just like to trade with the trend if that makes um, any sense. You know, I obviously didn't see this big drop coming. I did see, you know, the coronavirus and everything was on the news, but I never really expected it to kind of go how it did, if that makes any sense. You know, I never really expected this huge bear market um, to come in. You know, you're talking about, you know, the entire bull run since, you know, what was it, a couple of years ago? Yeah. Since, I want to say, I want to say, what, 2013? Yeah. Uh, Seven years uh, Since December, yeah. Just completely eliminated. Yeah. <laughs> in yeah. the end of a couple of months. So, um, you know, it's pretty crazy to see that happen. Um, and it's experienced that as well. You know, you hear about, you know, I wasn't trading during the market crash in 08, but, you know, I heard about things like that. And to actually be experiencing something like this is, you know, pretty insane. It's um, something different, definitely an experience, I want to say. And then with gold too, you know, um, I believe, you know, gold was at all-time highs um, for the last couple of years at, or not all-time highs, was at crazy highs at 17, almost 1,800. And then, you know, prices dropped back down in the 14s and now we're trading back up near the 17s again. So really interesting to see, you know, all the volatility that's in the market nowadays. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, what about uh, new? So you mentioned, you, you know, you're spending a bit more time focusing on fundamentals. I mean, how did that, how yeah. do the fundamentals sort of, play into your trade plan um like i said you know um the fundamentals will typically tell me the direction and then the technicals will tell me when to kind of enter if that makes any sense um so you know i'm trying to get more educated on the fundamental analysis overall for uh, the long term i know it's just going to benefit me in the long term i know there's people that only stick to technicals now i would say definitely i'm more of a technical trader i really just like to focus on price Right, but I'm definitely starting to incorporate fundamentals more or less into my trading plan, you know, um, looking at news every single day, what high-impact news do we have, you know, if we do have any high-impact news that I'm not going to trade, just like we have NFP on Friday, I'm typically not going to be trading, you know, that news, I tend to just avoid that overall. So what about uh, the guys out there that are like, you know, I suppose they're struggling to get to the point where, where they're, they're making money consistently. What do you think made you different mm-hmm. from everyone else out there, and and what do you recommend others steps that others might take? Well, the way I saw trading is, um, you know, I, I I'm not sure if you've heard of this, I'm, but it's eighty uh, percent, you know, uh, psychology, twenty percent everything else. So I really tended to focus just on the mindset, you know. It's really all about self-improvement and keeping a trading journal and tracking your progress and, you know, kind of marking off things that you need to improve on later on. Like if you notice you're over trading, okay, you know, let's set amount, let's set a rule for the maximum amount of trades I'm going to take per day. If I hit that rule, then I'm going to completely cut the trade. But honestly, I think the biggest issue with a lot of people is um, the money management portion. I feel like a lot of people um, really don't follow a strict money management rule along with being undercapitalized. Because a lot of people are sold the dream, right, that you could turn, you know, very small amounts of capital, uh, capital such as $500 into, you know, you know, six figures and whatnot, when I don't believe that's the case. I don't believe, um, you know, that's what trading is, is meant for, if that makes any sense. Um, you know, because the one thing I've learned is, yes, you can turn, you know, $500 into $20,000, right? But overall, in the long term, that's something that's not sustainable. So you need to find you know, a percentage-based gain that is sustainable, like, you know, making um, 10%, 20%, whatever the case might be per month, depending on your risk parameters, right? If that's something that's sustainable to you, then you can definitely, you know, look for larger amounts of capital and get funded 
right? If that's the case needed to be, right? If you're someone that's undercapitalized, then the best thing for you to do is, you know, try and apply for like a firm such as FTMO um, and actually get funded by them so you can, you know, focus on that proper money management system. And then, you know, obviously, you know, the profit will come um, later on. But I feel like the biggest issue with people is just money management and, um, you know, it could be a combination of a lot of things, you know, hopping over from strategy to strategy, you know, not keeping track of your progress, not logging your trades, um, not seeking to improve. Um, but I would say, you know, it's just kind of focused on the main problem first, right, which would probably be money management and then look to uh, improve from there, right? Because the strategy is really, it's, it's fairly simple to understand a trading strategy, right? Um, but I feel like a lot of people fail to understand, um, you know, that you're not really going to get rich quick trading along with, um, you know, money management is a huge portion, especially when your trading strategy is starting to see drawdown and looking at things like risk over ruin and you know just basic things like that, I feel like is really what holds people back. Because you mentioned a bit earlier that you, you know, you typically suffer, I suppose, more losses with the kind of strategy that you're, you're running, um, but your profits obviously outweigh that. I mean, how do you, and you talked about working on your mindset, how does... How do you deal with this, you know, a, a potential run of losses? Um, how do you how do you work with your mind to to make that if that's even a thing? How do, how do you make that sort of not seem so bad in your in your own mind? So I do trade multiple different strategies. You know what I mean. Um, my main strategy, I would say, is more or less just a pullback strategy, waiting for price to pull back into a certain area for me to continue with the trend. That strategy does lose more than it wins. Um, from what I found, the right sort of have maybe like a a forty eight percent or forty five percent win rate, whatever the case might be. But like I said again, it is compensated by a higher risk reward ratio, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, something I found over the last couple of years is, you know, the more losses that I take in a row. So, like, let's say if I take you know two or three losses in a row, then it's going to be very hard for me to execute my strategy with precision, you know, and trying to be as less emotional as possible. Right. Um, On the next trade um, with that, right, something I've really found that's helped me with that is just really controlling the position sizing and minimizing my losses as best as possible and really just focusing on the percentage based um, risk. Right. So I'll look at it. You know, I lost four trades in a row. Right. It'll be like, okay, well, I mean, it's only four percent of my accounts, relatively not much. Right. And if I have a one to four risk reward ratio on this trade, it's like, okay, you know, I can risk another 1% on this specific position to gain, you know, possibly 4%, then I'll be, um, you know, back up 3% or whatever. And I'm only down 1% on this specific position. If that's what you want to, if that's what you want to look at it as, that's kind of how I tend to look at things. It's really like, okay, you know, I'm really only down 4%, you know, I'm not down 20, 30% on my account. I have really nothing. Um, I really have nothing to worry about. So, you know, I tend to assume my strategy with precision, um, you know, when I really just look at the percentage and stop looking at the uh, monetary, so if that's what you want to call it. Okay, cool. That, yeah, that makes sense. No. Um, so yeah, just focus on your on the the money management, and that's going to help with you know having consecutive losses. So let's go into the quick fire round. Um, how long did it take you to go from newbie to consistently profitable? I was actually, you know, in the First two years, I'll say on my second year is really when I was already kind of at that break-even stage, right? So I was just breaking even all the time. And really what I looked at more was just money management and, you know, really lowering my position sizing, um, focusing on that percentage-based risk and obviously paying attention to my risk-reward per trade, 
it's a uh, it was really as simple as that. Um, the strategy is the same, right? Um, you know, just looking to improve on a day to day basis. You know, it was more or less like not how can I be better, right? But how can I eliminate more mistakes? Because if I can automatically eliminate more mistakes that I'm making, I'm obviously gonna improve with that, right? So it was really about you know eliminating mistakes, not over trading, um, you know. And just focusing on the tight money management, on a very strict money management system. Thinking about a trader's mindset, do you have any special techniques you can share with us? In what sense, like um, like a like a mindset hack or or a, or a tip that that somebody might be able to apply to their their own sort of trading or their own their own mindset? Uh, yeah. Something like a tip. I would say definitely stop looking at your P&L during the trade itself because that'll obviously cause emotion. Um, that'll, you know, um, the thing about when you're trading is, right, before you enter a position, right, you're thinking logically, right? You're looking at the chart, you're thinking logically. The second you press that buy or sell button, right, you're already, uh, excuse me, <laughs> you're already supposed to know where you're going to get out if you're right and where you're going to get out if you're wrong. So, the best thing for you to do is just sit on your hands because once you have live money at risk, you're no longer going to be thinking as logically as you were before you entered that position. So, you know, it's as simple as stick to your stop loss and take profit levels. Um, really focus on that money management and stop looking at your P&L during the trade. And one thing, like I said previously, just really focus on that percentage, um, on the percentage risk and the percentage gain. I really look at, you know, am I up, you know, $100, am I up $200, just focus on the percentage as well, and the pips. Yeah, I, I like I like that, actually. It's quite, a, it's the first time I've heard it on the show, where it's like, you know, you're thinking logically uh, before the trade, and then as soon as you hit buy or sell, you go into the emotional state, well, you, know, you call it less, less logical, but, you know, I suppose for yeah. people that have mastered it, it's less logical, for people that haven't, it's probably full-on emotional. So yeah, um, sure. next question, what's your favorite entry setup? Oh, man, my favorite entry setup. Um, would you say when it comes to candlesticks or the actual setup itself? Uh, just uh, it's up to you, mate. So basically, you know, my favorite trading setup that I do trade um, would be more or less like a break and retest setup. So I'll wait for price to just break a level of resistance, Right. Because what that tells me, if, you know, buyers have held this level or, or sellers in this case have held this level of resistance, you know, one, two or three times, right? Once buyers have broken through that level, I want to see if price will come back to that specific level that was broken and if buyers will actually hold that level as a newfound level of support, right? So that's kind of my favorite setup. I'll wait for price to come back down to that zone, right? Because support resistance is a zone, not really more or less just like a specific price. That's how I see it. Right then, I'll go down to like maybe like a fifteen-minute time frame. Look for um, an engulfing of some sort or a price action signal that price is going to continue to go up. Right, you know, if buyers can hold that level, then um, you know, I'll set my stops under the level, and then my targets will be um, pretty much at the high of where buyers broke through that level. That's nice. probably my favorite setup. And what strategies do you use to exit or manage active trades? Um, I'll pretty much be looking at Fibonacci ratios. So. Um, you know, in confluence with that break and retest setup, let's say price had pulled back to like a 50%, then my exit strategy is pretty much to just get out at the high or at a negative um, or at a uh, higher extension um, in the Fibonacci ratio range. What's your, what's your recommended trading book or resource? Oh, definitely Market Wizards by Jack Swagger, for sure. For sure. 
if there was one thing you'd recommend any retail trader spend the next month mastering, what would it be, why, and how could they go about mastering it? Oh, man, the next month. I guess this depends on um, every person, right? It's more or less, I would say, something that's really helped me a lot is focus on having a tight money management system and see where your trading performance goes to that. See how you're more or less emotionally doing per trade um, when you are when you definitely have lower lot sizes because at that point in time, you'll be able to think a lot more logically because the P&L, the swing of your P&L in your account isn't as big as, you know, an improper risk management system. So definitely I'll recommend, you know, just focus on the proper risk management, on a proper risk management system, and then, you know, just um, see how that works out for you. Um, you'll tend to find that, you know, a lot of break-even traders will be profitable at this stage in time, especially after a losing streak or um, and then a winning streak comes by, especially if they're paying attention to the risk-to-reward. So if I were to sum it up, you know, pay attention to your money management and then look at the risk-to-reward per trade. What's your preferred broker and trading platform? Um, I mean, it depends because I am funded with FTMO. So my preferred broker with them is um, Purple Trading. I do use MetaTrader 4. Um, on my personal accounts, I have Oanda and again, it's uh, MetaTrader 4. What's the worst trade you've ever had? Oh, man, the worst trade I ever had. I'll probably never forget it. It was uh, emotionally scarring. Um, I believe I was going long on uh, a crypto pair, right? I was going long on a crypto pair, and um, yeah, I was just completely wrong. I was a little bit heavier on a position size than I should be. I ended up losing about $45,000 um, on a on a single trade, let alone you know a single hour in that one position. Damn. <laughs> yeah, that was probably the uh, the worst trade I've ever experienced. And then what were your emotions like while, whilst you were losing that money? Um, Oh man, immediately it was just straight depression. <laughs> straight depression and 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 you know, it felt like I was it felt like a girlfriend had broken up with me. It was worse than that. It was oh. horrible. And how long did it take you to get to get back in into the saddle? Oh man, it, it it took me like a good week or two just to get back into the market after that, you know. I if, funnily, funny enough, I recovered fairly quickly from that cuz I stopped trading crypto and that's when I started uh trading gold at that time. Okay. Right, now, last question uh, before we get into the wrap up. So what's the uh, sorry, if you could leave our listeners with one piece of advice, what would it be? I'm sorry, can you repeat that? Uh, if you could leave our listeners with one piece of advice, what would it be? Oh man, um one piece of advice. One piece of advice. Definitely, I would say, you know, try to eliminate as much mistakes as possible and focus on a rules-based system. That would pretty, pretty much be the one piece of advice I would give, you know, just try and eliminate as many mistakes as possible, keep track of your progress, and then, you know, try and focus on a rules-based system. That's what's worked for me. And, and I'm actually going to throw in one more question here around just because uh, I know a lot of guys are probably interested in, in getting funded from the likes yeah. of uh, FTMO and, and others. I mean, what's the what, what, how did that process sort of play out for you? I When did you decide to, you know, head down that route? And, at, you know, which point did you think, okay, well, look, I'll be better off getting funded here? Uh, and also um, the process of getting funded, was it a, a rocky road or was it smooth sailing? Yes, yeah, so um, you know I've always traded my own capital for a very um, you know since the beginning. You know what I mean? Um, you know, and I do have a, a large amount of capital in a trading account, 
um, that's under my own name. But um, someone had brought it up to my attention, like, hey, you know, I'm thinking about doing this FTMO challenge, blah, 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 and looked into it, and they offer funding for, you know, skilled traders. Obviously, you need to pass their challenge and verification process. And the way I saw it as, if you're somebody that's undercapitalized um, and, you know, you don't have a lot of capital in your name, this is a great route for you to take because you can get funded six figures. And the way, you know, I see it is, okay, you know, you may only have a two or $3,000 trading account, right? So if you make 10% on a $3,000 trading account, you just made $300, right? So imagine making 10% on a $100,000 trading account, you know, you just made $10,000 and you're going to be able to keep $7,000 worth of that, right? That's That can be life-changing um, to a lot of people, you know, and it'll allow a lot of people to uh, actually live their dreams and actually follow a normal risk management system because, you know, one of the number one reasons I do feel like traders fail is because they are um, undercapitalized and they're not following a proper risk management system. So, you know, you're kind of eliminating both of those, you know, reasons right there. You know, you're eliminating being undercapitalized and it's going to make you more of a disciplined trader. And that's something I've definitely noticed as well. And I've incorporated into my own trading, such as adding um, a maximum daily loss and, you know, adding a maximum loss to my account as well. Because before, you know, I didn't really have a maximum daily loss. I would just, you know, stick to, you know, one um, one to three trades per day. But now I've actually added a maximum daily loss, you know, per, uh, as a percentage, uh, a percentage wise on my trading. So how the actual challenge and um, verification went for me, the first challenge didn't go too well. I was under, I feel like, a lot of pressure um, in trying to complete their, you know, 50% um, minimum days. Um, and I definitely had a timeline. So it didn't go too well for me, and I didn't understand the maximum daily loss. I thought, you know, you could only lose $5,000 within, you know, that day. I didn't know equity would actually be, you know, accounted into that. Mm-hmm. So I ended up losing because of that. So I retook the challenge. I ended up passing it, um, you know, fairly easily too. Um, You know, I ended up passing it fairly easily. I ended up passing the challenge within, I believe, like three or four days. I met the their profit target, Um, and then for the rest of the days, I kind of just you know entered positions here and there just to get me by for the minimum trading days. Um, I did that for the challenge and the verification process. You know, I passed that fairly quickly as well. but one thing it did take forever, um, it took a quite some time because there's a confusion in the email for me to actually receive like the contract um, they send you and the actual funded account and everything else. And the main reason I actually decided to um, do the FTMO funded um, trader challenge program was because you can actually stack your accounts. So if I do the challenge verification three times and I pass them three times, you know, instead of trading with $100,000 worth of capital, I'm now trading with $600,000, I mean $300,000 worth of capital. And along with that, they also have a scaling plan. So if you're profitable, I believe it's two out of four months, right? If you can profit, um, I believe it's 2% or more out of those four months, right? Then um, they do add 25% to your account balance. So I believe it's within like 16 months, you can just gain 100% just by being profitable so you know they have a lot of uh pros and uh really not many cons at all i would say the only con is you can only withdraw once a month when i'm typically used to withdrawing from my trading account um bi-weekly so um you know that's the main reason i did it so i can um have way more capital to my name when it comes to uh trading um and again you know imagine making 10 percent on a three hundred thousand dollar account that's you know thirty thousand dollars 
um, and that's with a low risk. So, um, like I said, it's definitely light. It'll be definitely life changing for uh, a lot of people. Mm. Well, that's that's uh, that's really interesting stuff. Um, I think quite useful for for the guys out there thinking about getting funded. Um, now, uh, last question. It's not a normal question I ask, but you know, given the fact you're only 21. And yeah. you know you've got all the Lambos. You you know you're living the dream yeah. life with Miami and and jet boats, and you, you've cracked <laughs> yeah. trading. I mean, what what does the future hold? Oh, you know, definitely um, holds a lot. You know, eventually I want to have my uh, own hedge fund, if that's what you want to call it. Um, you know, I have a lot of plans uh, in mind. You know, this is just the beginning for me. So you know, the cars wasn't really like um, much of an accomplishment. There's definitely way more I want to accomplish. It's definitely way more I want to accomplish in life. Nice. Brilliant. Well, look, uh, before we wrap up, what's the best way for the listeners to get hold of you? Um, they can just contact me on uh, Instagram. It's really simple. Slambo Raul, like you said. <laughs> okay. Yep. Lambo Raul. Um, yeah. Right. So, guys, um, or <laughs> Raul, thank you for coming on the show and sharing with us today. Everything we've discussed here, along with all the links, are in the show notes to find them. Simply search for Raul. Uh, in the search box on tradingup.com. That's R-A-U-L. Uh, until next time, I wish all my listeners trading happiness and success. All right, folks, so there you have an interview with Raul done and dusted. I know you would have enjoyed it. If you want a bit more, if you want to be able to like really sink your teeth into this stuff, then I do recommend checking out the video we shot after the show, which is completely new content from what you heard here. A little short video where Raul basically walks us through uh, one of his recent trades and his exact thinking around that particular trade. Okay, so you sort of really get a good feel for what his strategy is and how he sees the market. Um, probably one of the best videos I've shot on the show in quite some time. So guys, recommend watching this if you get the chance. Uh, easy to do. Head over to tradingnut.com, search for episode 71 or Raul in the search box, and you'll get it, or it should be there if you're listening to this straight away. Um, there are links in the show notes as well if you want to get access to that video. Now, you can also, the other thing I want to do is get you guys filling in the survey that's uh, asking questions about funding providers. I mentioned that at the start of the show, uh, I'll put a link in the show description, or you can just head over to tradingnut.com, find Raul's uh, show, and basically fill in the survey there. So there should be a link on that page as well. I'll flick it through my other channels. Really, really want to get your feedback. I have a lot of funding providers on the show already, and um, I want to get some more information from you guys as to how you sort of see this experience playing out and what your preferences are. All right, guys, so that's tradingup.com forward slash funding survey. Uh, great if you could fill it in. I'd love to, to, to see your responses. All right, folks, until next time, have a great trading week, and I'll see you in the markets.